welcome to Screams from the Grave. This is Lou Mavs. That is Mr. Greg Noggle. We're from Ratsai Review, and we're here to talk about music that time has forgotten. Now, it's very safe to say that Black Sabbath are the godfathers and founding fathers of the greatest genre in the world, heavy metal. And Indeed. indeed. And people do talk about the original self-titled album. People talk about Paranoid. People talk about Master of Reality. People talk about Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. All great classic albums. However, there seems to be a dark horse in the Black Sabbath discography from the Ozzy era of the original eight. Now, we're not talking technical ecstasy or never say die because we agree that those seem to be the most polarizing of the classic lineup. In fact, I can remember a British journalist referring to never say die as keck, which is basically (laughs) the same sound as oh. (laughs) But we are going to talk today about sabotage. It's a super deluxe box which if you're a serious Sabbath fan is well worth having. Unfortunately, Sabotage doesn't contain the remixes that uh, some of the boxes like Paranoid, Volume 4, and Technical Ecstasy do. But you do get what I think is probably the best radio broadcast recording of the original lineup during the original era available, which is them on the Sabotage tour in Asbury Park, New Jersey in 1975. And it is a great show. I heard that as part of a bootleg. And, you know, if you have the past live CD, which is out of print, a couple of the songs are actually on that. And Mm -hmm. my God, it sounds like Sabbath at their peak musically. I mean, talk about a band that was on fire. Like that was uh, that was a great that was a it was it was an incredible audio listening experience. I can only imagine what it was like for whoever was there in person in Asbury Park. Oh, yeah, especially in a tinier place like Convention Hall. I mean, and yes, it's a decent size. By tinier, I mean now or on the 13 tour anyway, Sabbath played arenas. This was a little bit more intimate, and I think it would have just been flat out amazing. Yeah, I think it fits about three to thirty five hundred people. Uh, the convention yep. center and uh it's a beautiful hall right right on the water um the acoustics in there are ridiculous i mean i remember i did the echo in there with my voice and it lasted about a good 10 seconds i'm like oh so this is where sabbath <laughs> recorded okay cool yeah this album is really polarizing because if anybody remembers the we sold our soul for rock and roll album only one song from sabotage actually made it on there which was am i going insane Radio, which did not mean radio edit. Radio was apparently Cockney rhyming slang for schizo. Um, That was the only song on there, which I think is a damn shame because you put that CD on or record or cassette, whatever you call it. I first had it on cassette and the opening track is Hole in the Sky. To this day, it's my, my favorite opening song that ever opened up an Ozzy era Sabbath album. And... Many have covered it, including Machine Head. And Pantera. Love you, Dimebag. Rest in peace. But it wasn't Sabbath's version. (laughs) Honestly, that one was the most disappointing for me because of how well Daryl could play guitar. But anyway, we're not really here to talk about Pantera. But 
there's not very many successful covers of Sabbath songs out there in general, I feel like. I mean, I know everybody goes nuts for that Nativity and Black album, but eh, but then again, Tony Iommi's like tied for my favorite guitarist. So what can you do? <laughs> well, he he is my 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 hero when it comes to guitar because you know, this was a guy and everyone's heard the story. You know, the two fingers chopped off at the uh, metal sheet factory. And, you know, he thought he completely had to give up playing guitar till he discovered Django Reinhardt and said, oh, well, if he could do it with three fingers, so can I. And just completely changed his approach, you know, through banjo strings on an, on an SG, originally a Fender Strat. But then he discovered the SG with P90 pickups, soapbox single coil pickups. So those weren't humbuckers on those first six albums. And um, just, you know, with the, with the help of a Laney half stack and a tone booster, created the most destructive, punishing sound ever recorded up to that point. Iomi is a guy that I love, admire, and respect. I've had the pleasure of meeting him on two different occasions, and he was always a perfect gentleman. So sorry, Lita. Uh, what can you say, really? Can I be ring back? <laughs> I was nine when I first heard Sabotage. Um, and the reason why I was exposed to it was thanks to Speak of the Devil. Because yep. the opening track on that was Symptom of the Universe, which was on the Sabotage record. And I said, oh, Sabbath has an album I never heard. And uh, even though I prefer the version on Speak of the Devil where Ozzy recorded it with Brad Gillis, Rudy Sarzo, and Tommy Aldridge. Um, I can just remember listening to Sabotage straight through as a kid and just being like, I found my Black Sabbath album. Greg? This was actually one of the last ones I heard, um, almost the last, but I had a really hard time finding this. Um you know, both with Blue Oyster Cult and Black Sabbath, I was able to swipe off my dad the first five records of each, but he did not have Sabotage, unfortunately. And I didn't even really know it existed until I threw on Speak of the Devil, heard Symptom of the Universe and all that. And this was another one. I had to search around music stores for to find it. This is where they start to do things different a little bit compositionally almost and it's still sabbath though and that's why the hate for it always confused me because while no it's not my favorite interrelation to the five that preceded it's not really different and there's just as strong and they hit several peaks on here tony with his guitar playing and flat out i think this is ozzy's best vocal performance except for Diary of a Madman, but with Sabbath, certainly this. And even Strong um, throws out there some really strong lyrics when you get to the writ and parts of megalomania that he was involved in. He really was on top of the world here, which is why it's so interesting he fell apart so quickly once you get to technical ecstasy, you know, about a year later. But... I think the aggression and all the bad feelings that were really pushing them through what they were dealing with, with the managers and people trying to take money from them and even signing with NEMS. And then they immediately put out, we sold our souls for rock and roll without the band's involvement. 
you know, they had a lot going on here to deal with, but I think it made for a great album. I even agree. though there's a couple parts of it where I do think it's a little unfocused, and that is the only reason I can't give this one a complete perfect rating. Although if you would have asked me when I was 13, I would have told you it was because am I going insane is weird and it sucks, but <laughs> that's because I was a young metalhead and did not have an ear for that at the time. Well, but, I could I could appreciate it now as a pop song, but uh, it is, in my opinion, the weakest song on the album. There's that. And then while I really like Superstar, especially when they use it as a concert intro, I think they could have cut out the refrain a little bit on here. It's a little bit too long. You know, it should really just set up and segue into am i going insane and i think it lingers a little too bit which is what i was getting at when i said you know compositionally it's very strong but it's a little meandering here and that's actually what i meant when i had said to you the other night that this is where i feel the crack started to show but that's that's much too harsh of a judgment, I feel like now. So I take that back because this is just as legendary as the first five and possibly due to the emotional strain, you know, maybe that's what did it. But there's a couple spots where it's like, that seems a little weird and unfocused, but it still ends up being great for the most part. I think you captured how I feel about the album perfectly. And that's what I love about this album, because as opposed to speaking of anything science fiction or fantasy or spiritual or whatever it really kind of exposes more of the personal side of what black sabbath was going it's their most transparent release mm -hmm. because they make no bones about how they were feeling when this record was uh being written and i think that's what i love most about it is because it's an open book to where Black Sabbath were personally at the time that it was recorded. And, you know, Ozzy even said it himself. He said, we were writing an album to raise money, to pay off lawyers, to go on tour, to pay off the record label for the advances. And I remember his exact words. He said, you know, I like to be kissing the mouth before I get fucked. Riff tough ruthlessly, so I was a... Just raped, and I said to I said to my I said to my my ex manager, I like to be kissed when I'm getting fucked, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's sad that all these guys wanted to do was play music, and then you know all of a sudden, once you become a musician as a profession, then you enter into the dark side of the music business. The uh, ethics of uh, business can be summarized in. They were not wise to management or accounting or copyrights or any of that stuff. And the best thing about the experience is, I think, the release itself. It kind of shocks me that this album gets completely overlooked within the context of classic Black Sabbath. Because, I mean, even Technical Ecstasy, when they were touring, when they reunited, they were still playing Dirty Women. They weren't playing anything off of either Never Say Die or Sabotage, which again shocks me because Sabotage, I think it stands up with the classic five records. It certainly does. And that's what blows my mind about it, especially in relation to Dirty Women, which is another point I was going to bring up, which, by the way, I love that song. That's my favorite tune on Technical Ecstasy. But 
now in some of these retrospective reviews when they're talking about dirty women and the, the solos Tony does in it and oh uh, the the aggression and blah 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 influencing thrash metal it's like well wait a minute that's not the first time he did something like that and have you never heard symptom of the universe or hole in the sky i mean that's as angry as the first megadeth record right there yeah this was sabbath at their angriest absolutely and the tempo's faster here too you know that that was another thing that shocked me because technical ecstasy is but by far filled with more experiments than sabotage is i mean is it paranoid is it master reality no but compositionally i think the aggression worked for them and kept them together in their brotherhood because one of my favorite things about sabbath was always the jams and no this isn't um wasp uh to behind the wall of sleep basically an nib or even the wicked world jam it's where they were at at the time and i don't think it's any less interesting on say megalomania or the writ like some people seem to think or even that beautiful acoustic part at the end of a uh, symptom of the universe which by the way separate issue but that one i was saying i felt went on a little too long was actually a thrill of it all not megalomania i just got confused <laughs> that song does get a little repetitive at the end i mean you know it's the uh it's the same one two three four chords repeated over and over again with oz yelling oh yeah and tony um closing out the fade out with uh with a guitar solo over it but i don't enjoy it any less but you know i i think for me what 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 captures that song and makes the where it goes from there as an okay thing like i well the reason why I, maybe i can let it go is because that, that intro riff and that opening verse it it destroys i it's just oh i am uh, tony iomi has been called the king of riffs and there's a reason for it. <laughs> Indeed. I think this really shows him growing as a guitar player and first starting to experiment too, because um, the, the second part of Megalomania with that little bit, I mean, it's heavy, but it's a little bit bouncier, more of a, uh, I, I guess I'll say contemporary 70s riff when, like everyone, oh, rock and roll doctor came out of nowhere. Well, it really didn't, if you know megalomania. <laughs> no. And again, this album gets overlooked but, for no reason. No. And th there is a, a ton of growth on this, which uh, amazes me. I honestly think, well, maybe it's not as adventurous as Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, but it's close because anger is very much the overarching theme here and i can understand why so it's all kind of fast except for you know thrill of it all superstar which are really just interstitial instrumentals and then um am i going insane no it's i guess it's just an interesting subject because when i think of how they grew as musicians and you know, an album like Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, I, I think shows the peak of them as individual musicians. To me, this one where it shines is just how well they gel together and in, in doing music that 
they've never really done before. I mean, you take a song like Spiral Architect, you hear uh, mm -hmm. off of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and you hear how great they all sound individually but, and, and how well they sound together. But here is just like where it's like, we're Black Sabbath, we're pissed off, and fuck you if you don't like it. Exactly. And, 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 and I think that's just what I love about it. It's primal. It's advanced, but primal. You know, it's like somehow they managed to tap into those basic human emotions, those 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 elements of negativity that they were able to turn into something ugly and beautiful at the same time. And, you know, I was listening to Sabotage today and I'm not going to lie. I had to repeat Megalomania a couple of times because it's just I, I love the way that song builds until in the end. It's a freaking steamrolling battering ram to the senses. That's what I think of it. And shame on you if you've never heard this album. It's amazing. Yeah, really. How can how can you not have? But then again, I'm starting to realize that people are nuts. If you if you think about it in terms like we when we were talking about fair warning and when I said about that about be it being real dark and aggressive and that that being a little off-putting for the casual fans it's really probably the same thing here because even though am i going insane is uh pop for sure it's very dark and odd and you can still hear the anger in the lyrics there and even what they're singing about you know it's very much one central theme yeah i hear that but i think the the issue at hand is that casual fans who may not be into sabbath as much as you and i are and there's a whole plethora, there's a whole multitude of Sabbath fans out there who swear by this album as the best one. Or they'll actually go deep and say they, they could appreciate the work of Seven Star, The Eternal Idol, Tear, Cross Purposes, as much as they appreciate the classic era as we do. Mm -hmm. But anyone else is just a casual fan. And where do casual fans go to get their information? The mainstream Wikipedia. media publications, Wikipedia, Wikipedia as well. So um, it, it, the funny thing is, in graduate school, we were told if you cite from Wikipedia, you will fail the class. <laughs> that just as to, it should be. That just goes to show you, you know, don't get your information from editorials. But you know, the issue with a lot of the mainstream publications, and that includes rags like Rolling Stone magazine, they only talk about what they know and they'll repeat the same sentence five different ways in one paragraph to get their point across so to them sabbath is only the first self-titled and paranoid and yeah. heaven and hell anything in between is irrelevant so yeah uh, i was actually reading what sorry i didn't mean to cut you no off. go ahead go ahead while i'm thinking of it and we're talking about that it was not the original Rolling Stone article, but the Rolling Stone album guide. Man, even all these years later, they just trash volume four. And you, I read it and I'm like, what fucking record did you even listen to? <laughs> How do you trash volume four? I mean, that's what I don't understand. That's my second favorite Ozzy era lineup album and 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 you know again i realized that might be a shocking statement to say because i didn't say paranoid or master but that album alone 
is a classic because of Wheels of Confusion, St. Vitus Dance, Under the Sun, Tomorrow's Dream, Super Knots, Snow Blind. I, I can name the entire alone. album. Yeah, Cornucopia, everything on it. Well, you. okay. I can if, understand if maybe you're not a huge fan of changes. But, uh, all right. Well, I didn't mention changes. But, yeah. But I was going to mention Frank Zappa's favorite riff was Supernaut. Yes, it was. So he, they did something right. That uh, that 73 show on the Super Deluxe set and um, <clears throat> a couple of songs from that are on Past Lives. I believe he was actually at that show. That's a cool story. If you like the mainstream rags, we're not going to look down on you for doing it because, you know, everyone's got so much time on their hands. We're, we're podcasters and we're metal fans first. So, you know, and, and these records are an integral part of mine and Greg and and Wayne and uh, Manny's. I'm not going to say James because, you know. I love you, James, but you don't like Priest or Maiden. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, these I'm albums like were in minutes at night. <laughs> but these albums were an integral part of our upbringing. So they're ingrained in our DNA. Yes, science, bitch. Our thing is this we know we love them. And the purpose of a show like Screams from the Grave is to promote the idea that if we love them, chances are you will too. So that's Certainly. the whole purpose of the show. Exactly. And honestly, I think that's something that's become even more important now in the day and age of the Internet, because, OK, we could have found fanzines or, or something like that if we really wanted to. But they weren't easy to come by. You mostly had to deal with the more popular stuff. But and you and I have talked about this before as a fan of these bands and just as a music fan in general, I just wanted to hear more from them. Did I necessarily love, like, say, Club Ninja from Blue Oyster Cult the first time I heard it, or Seven Star from Sabbath? No, but I appreciated what they were doing, and I at least understood it. And you can discover some real gems that way, whereas if you were to go on, well, not all music, but yeah, that Rolling Stone guide, you would think Sabotage was one of the worst albums around. And it's just not true. It's hard for me to take Rolling Stone seriously when it seems like the only metal band of the modern era, and I say that pertains to like the last almost 30 years, that they acknowledge is Meshuggah. Now, I don't know how you feel about Meshuggah. I love Meshuggah. But even as a Meshuggah fan, I could say Meshuggah is not the be all end all of metal. You know, there, there, there's, there's, there's more to it and the sum of its parts than just one band, you know? And I, yeah, I agree. So and I like, them. they wouldn't be my, my go-to or, you know, the only one I would mention. <laughs> right. You would be doing yourself a favor. If you acknowledge this, this album sabotage by black Sabbath, give it a listen, give it a spin. It's available on streaming media. I say, if you want the full experience, go get the deluxe edition. If anyone has extra money for Christmas, please buy me a copy on CD. Thank you. <laughs> Chances are I'll probably get an Amazon gift card. So that's going to be on my go-to list because that is my favorite Sabbath album. And the only deluxe editions that I own are the out-of-print ones from uh, Sanctuary Records that include the uh, Ian Gillen, Glenn Hughes, and uh, 
Tony Martin era, <laughs> just a one album since the IRS albums are out of print. But anyway, this is one that I, I do plan on getting. But until then, enjoy the hell out of the album. Like I said, it is on Apple Music. It is on Amazon Music. It's on Spotify, but get that deluxe edition because that live recording from Asbury Park, it's to die for. It's I if you ask me and, and people want to say that Kiss was the most exciting band to see in the 70s. And, you know, and, and video shows that if you look back and watch those concerts, you know, you'll find pure enjoyment watching them. But musically wise, when you hear Sabbath live with the original four, you can't tell me a hungrier band that was doing it like their lives depended on it, like Sabbath were, because it genuinely was by this point. Yep. And as we know from Great Conflict Arises Great Art, go listen to Sabotage by Black Sabbath. Greg, any plugs? Nope. Oh, well, that uh, worst to best to kiss on the Rat Salad Review Facebook page and you know, stick with us in the show here. Yep, we'll be back with our Aussie discography review. We've already covered the first six. There's six more albums to go, which means three more episodes. And, and I get osmosis parts one through six, essentially. Yeah, let me, uh, people, it's not going to get any better from here. But at <laughs> least you have Sabotage by Black Sabbath, so go enjoy that. Also, if you can, go to SeveredAngels.com, pick up the Severed Angel self-titled album. New album, Skyward, coming out in spring 2024. We'll let you know more about it till you hear it. And don't forget, there's a Black Friday sale going over on our merch site, which, again, you can access over at SeveredAngels.com. 40% off T-shirts until the 28th of November. So get them while they're out. We have a new design designed by my brother that's out. It's 1960s comic book art. And it looks really cool. So, you know, shout out to my brother, Anthony, for uh, designing that T-shirt for us. Thank you guys so much for watching Screams from the Grave. This is Lou Mavs. That's Greg Noggle. If we don't see you beforehand, happy Thanksgiving and Demone. RatsOutReview.com. <laughs> RatsOutReview.com. edition of the self-titled debut album available now pick up your copy today over at severedangel.com available on all streaming media platforms severed angel get ready to ride the dogs of war